Losing to Queen's Park three times in one season is absolutely mortifying and completely unacceptable. Scotland's national. 1200 Jags fans and a crowd of 1600. That's an away support. Belgium flag, Belgium flag, Belgium flag, Belgium flag. Flexing emoji, smiling emoji, thumbs up. They made the rules. Queen's Park Oil Club. 600 home fans in the second tier is a shambles, buying the leagues. Hamden Park, the ground that bears their motto to this day. I hate Queen's Park with a burning passion. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. It's David Blair, Callum Stewart, Ezra Tamanini with you again. Happy New Year, happy 2023 to everybody listening. What a start to the year already, 2nd of January. An absolutely fantastic victory over Partick Thistle. We are now sitting top of the league in the Scottish Championship. I don't know how many weeks we had where we were like, oh, hang on a minute. We're just The results had to fall our way and we would sit top of the league. It's finally happened. We're there. We're here to discuss it. We're also here to discuss it on the night of the game. We're uh, round Enzo's flat, just round beside Hamden. The three of us are here and our fourth special guest is Enzo's little whippet, Izzy. You may have seen her kicking about the floor of the park before a game. So uh, apologies in advance if you hear a, a rogue bark that we're unable to edit out of, of any of our conversation this evening. But yeah, we're here to discuss that, obviously to look ahead in terms of, um, well, transfer. the transfer window's now open. We have our first signing announcement confirmed after a long, long time of waiting for the club to announce that. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the transfer window, what we perhaps hope and want to see. And then we're going to look ahead because, of course, the games come thick and fast this month. Cove away and then beyond. So, first things first. Enzo, tonight, Partick Thistle, through an awkward view, your initial thoughts. I mean, it was a great win, wasn't it? And it's so... It's just amazing to finally go top of the league. We've we've talked about this for a while and we've had opportunities to do it and they've just kind of slipped out of our grasp but we managed it today obviously we were fortunate I suppose in a sense that the other results went our way but uh, it was brilliant listen if I'm being perfectly honest with you I don't think we played that well today I think certain aspects of how we played were a little bit disappointing but we were still better than Thistle and that now makes it nine points out of nine against them which I think officially makes us the third team in Glasgow so I great brilliant brilliant And, and what a way to start 2023 it's absolutely insane, isn't it? Like, can you think back to this time last year? I can't remember the exact position that we were at, but there is no way that you'd be saying a year later from now, Legal Day would have been having the game of his life to put us top of the championship. Like, it's absolutely wild. Nine points out of nine against Partick Thistle, who I thought would have been right up there. And I still think they will be, to be fair. They're a decent side. They've got lots of good players. I just don't think they've got the manager to see them through, frankly. And Owen Coyle today, again, showed how good a manager he is with the substitutions that he made at the times that he did in a game which was which was very, very difficult, to be perfectly honest. It could have went either way. Um, but as we've seen so many times in recent weeks, like we just seem to have the quality. And it's so bizarre because you're 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 like accustomed to that not being the case over the years, especially last season with the how many draws was it, sixteen or something like that that we had? 
more than um, that, yeah. I think it was about 300. 300, well, it felt like 300 anyway, didn't it? Um, but yeah, absolutely buzzing, delighted. There's no thinking about it. Nine points out of nine over Partick Thistle so far, Enzo. That means we are the third team in Glasgow. And we've started this week's episode with just a couple of comments from Partick Thistle fans online already. Rest assured that this evening and beyond, we'll be looking to find every single one of those comments and get them shared online. Whether it's Twitter, Pie and Bovril, I don't know. I don't know where Partick Thistle fans have their own forums, but I'll be going and finding them and making sure we get as many of those as possible because... That was one of those things that right back at the beginning of the season, as much as we, you know, we expected to compete and we expected to, you know, be involved, I think it's fair to say we perhaps didn't expect ourselves to do so well. But Partick Thistle fans were just had that initial kind of rumbling of, oh, hang on, there is another team here that they they constantly sang about themselves, you know, the third team in Glasgow. Well, well that's gone now. They are not the third team in Glasgow anymore. Whether they like it or not, this season, we, that's us. Well, the thing is, Thistle actually started the season very well, where they went up to Dens Park and won on the very first day of the season. And I think they'd made themselves favourites for the league. And uh, they've fallen away a little bit. But the, the games, it's, it's a bit of a strange one when you think about it. Because the thing is, prior to this season, I don't think there was any animosity between both clubs. And if anything, I always... I always felt as though we had a lot in common with Partick Thistle fans. I mean, we're all from Glasgow and don't support Celtic or Rangers. And you always thought that there was a possibility for a bit of a rivalry to grow there. But it's it's not really it's not really a thing as much as maybe the media will pretend it is a thing when they inevitably show one of our games on the TV. But it's been funny to see their feelings towards us grow a little bit. I mean, some of the things that I've read online suggest that they are... Aye, they're not our biggest fans, and I still, I'll be honest with you, I still don't care about them, but it's still very funny to beat them, and to beat them three times in a row, and that's now, what, three times we've played them, and we've scored nine, and only conceded two, it's pretty evident that we are just the better team, and we're putting them right in their place. Yeah, it is, it, it is interesting, isn't it, because we've existed as a pet club for so many fans over the years. Yeah. Like, we've always been that, oh, Queen's Park, that's so nice, they're all amateurs. A nice little cute thing in the side. Yeah, yeah. kind of like, oh, go see them when Rangers and Celtic are playing away at whoever it may be. But it's different now, and you can see that because there is more and more fans who are coming out and they're, they're just annoyed by our existence. And I get it because, see, quite frankly, like, I'd be jealous of us <laughs> if, if, if we were in a lot of other teams' positions because... If you look on the face of it, and this is what so many fans do, you look on the face of it and it's like, it is a, a, an objectively small fan base who is doing very, very well. But as we've discussed on previous episodes, they don't have the the insight to the, the sort of the layers that are going underneath it, which hopefully will make it sustainable in the longer term. Yeah, the number of fans in a ground doesn't mean anything in terms of points scored in the league table and come the end of the season. If it was, I mean... Falkirk wouldn't be toiling away in League One for what is it like the yeah. fifth, sixth year or something like that. We all know that doesn't matter. Queens Park fans, we seem to be able to brush that off pretty easily, and it's even easier when you're going and watching the football that we are putting on show. Perhaps maybe as Enzo says, maybe today wasn't our greatest day, but what a superb performance at the back. And I tell you what, let's get let's get into the game today. Let's have a look at the starting lineup and how the game played out. So. As we always do, the starting lineup for the game against Partick Thistle was as follows. It was Ferry and Goals. It was the back four of Davidson, Kilday, Fox and Robson. Thompson and Boateng in the centre of midfield. McPake, Savory, 
Thomas and Simon Murray leading the line. So if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the only change from the previous game against Arbroath was McPake coming back in after his illness. There was perhaps the rumour that he's subject to some kind of transfer interest, which maybe we'll talk about later on. But McPake's back in for uh, Longridge, who dropped to the bench. Other than that, it's pretty much the... That, I mean, that seems to be our strongest 11 right now, doesn't it, Enzo? I would say on paper, that's... Yeah, that's... Like you say, that's our strongest 11, and I was quite pleased to see that. I, I believe those rumours, and to be fair, there might still be some truth to them. It's possible that if Rangers are looking at recalling them and, and selling them to another Scottish or potentially a club down south... Um, then maybe all the paperwork and whatever else hasn't been finalised yet. It's only, what is it, the 3rd, 2nd of January, so yeah. there's, there's plenty of time for that yet. But given that he's still part of our squad, I was pleased to see him back in. I think he is a better option out on that side than what we than what we uh, had last week up in our growth. I mean, obviously we still won 4-1 last week, but I overall, uh, it was it was the starting 11 that I wanted to see and I, I was pleased to see it. And on the bench, no, we don't normally run through the subs, but of course we'll say... Aaron Healy was announced this morning and uh, I mean it was also confirmed by Arthurly back in when was it early December something like that um, that he's obviously signed sort of four and a half year contract Callum that's uh, I mean he's still a young boy but that's a big is it a big commitment what, what do you make of that is that is that something you're happy to see well he's, he's what 19 years old isn't he yeah Healy so I think it makes it makes sense because Clearly, the guy that like the club has got an extensive scouting system now, don't they? They they're they're very big on the whole like metrics and performance analysis, all that sort of stuff. So, if they're signing guys, they're signing them thinking we are going to be able to develop you. So, if you sign a guy in a two year contract, there's there's a relative amount of risk that he's just going to be able to run that out before you can make any money from it, isn't there? So, if you get Healy at nineteen years old, you give him a year to settle in, so on and so forth, and then if he then embeds himself in that squad from sort of twenty through twenty one, you can sell them on and make the cash and that that is the point isn't it that is the whole point of our model is develop these guys get them and turn them into really good footballers and that is the thing that's going to make us sustainable so and it's a big commitment because he is he was playing at a lower level but when you look at his um i didn't actually realize this until i read the wee spiel on him and the in the press release today and they were talking about how his youth was at celtic and then was it st Mirren? Yeah, so like he's had a good development. It's not like he's been in the juniors his entire life, and this is him making the step up. So he's clearly got some quality in there. So no, it's good. Um, having a having a new winger is, I think, a position that we we would all agree that it's not surprising for us to see. We've we've had some guys who are sitting in the squad who don't really get much game time. They're a wee bit older, who I think we could see potentially move on in in coming months. So. Um, no, it was great, and we just watched, literally before this podcast, we started recording this podcast, we just watched the interview with William Coyle, and he was saying how he was desperate to get him in the squad for today, and uh, they were rushing to get the paperwork done, so he's clearly keen on him, and I think that shows some intent as well as to what they expect from him this year, they expect him to be involved from the start, and obviously we got a couple of minutes of him today, so that must be, I mean, obviously some buzzy. I mean, you, you can you can almost imagine that kind of journey, like you're getting released from youth teams and then you go you drop down a level, you start doing well there, and then suddenly you're presented with a four and a half year contract for a full time championship club. Like he must be buzzing as well. And as well, I'm sure there was a fair bit of interest in him. I believe it was rumored was at Hearts, I think, were interested in, in Healy as well. So I don't know if the length of contracts maybe brought him towards us or whatever, but either way, perhaps like 
like we hope own Coyle as himself. He's clearly sold on Queens Park and and maybe where where we are and where we're headed, and that's why we've got Aaron Healy in our squad. Well, Coyle has said in the past himself that you know if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. He's he's not shy about putting young guys into the first team and giving them the opportunity, whether it's to start or off the bench. I mean, obviously we saw Lennon Conley as well getting a bit of game time, so. I, I like that. I respect that, and uh, I think he's quite clearly an exciting prospect. And it's good to have him. It's good to have him at the club. And yeah, I wasn't sure whether we were realistically going to see him on the bench today. Never mind actually come off and make a bit of a cameo appearance. But uh, it's brilliant to see him, and hopefully his, his development can, can continue at the club. And, and he'll either be part of the squad for a long, long time and do well with us, or move on and, and make the club a bit of money. Yeah, time will certainly tell, but uh, welcome to Queen's Park, Aaron Healy, and uh, yeah, fingers crossed he goes on and does many good things for us on the park. Um, the game started against Party Thistle tonight where it started pretty well for us. Obviously, we went through kind of periods of the game where we fell away and then we came back in and, and, and Thistle had a lot of pressure, but the first sort of five to ten minutes, maybe even up to the first 15 minutes or so, was was it perhaps our best sort of spell of the game where we, we started on the front foot? The first little note, because of course, we will admit here, normally when, of course, we're obviously we're at the games, but we always like to look back on the, the highlights and the, the, the official match report to, to kind of follow ourselves through, to jog our memories a little bit, because for as much as we're going to make notes for ourselves, we're also very much in the moment. We're very much enjoying the game. We don't have a lot of time to, t- to type into WhatsApp, but that's exactly what we're doing tonight. My first note that I have is that unbelievable run from Lethal Day. That incredible move that started all the way at the back and he carried the ball basing from the edge of our box. He got the one two he got a one two in midfield and then he knocked the ball round the Partick Thistle defender. And at that point I was already I wasn't even like sort of screaming come on it. I was screaming goal of the season. Goal of the season. Unfortunately the shot didn't quite match the build up to it but that was the first of a number of incredible bits of football this evening from Lethal Day who I'm just going to spoil it out. He's my man of the match. What about you, Cal? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, total total spoiler alert. But I don't think anyone would be surprised at putting Lee Day as man of the match. Uh, it's not up for debate. I think that is his best, most complete performance that I've seen from him in a Queen's Park shirt in the entire time um, that, he, that he's been with us. Because the difference from... So Lee Day has had, has had an excellent season. And I think he has maybe been the guy that surprised me the most in terms of the quality that he's produced. And I think it's fair to say that when we signed Eze, everybody thought that it was going to be... And I still think this was the intent, was to have a partnership of Fox and Eze. I didn't think it was going to be Fox and... Um, I didn't think it was going to be Eze and Kodé. However, he's been he's been absolutely brilliant. And the thing that was different today was exactly that. See the bringing the ball out from defence? See when he made the tackle? Lee, Lee has loads of great games when he makes a tackle but he's not necessarily as nice on the ball as you've got like like a Charlie Fox, for example. But today he was all over the place. Because it wasn't just that one as well. You had the, the run down the wing just at the end of the second half where he gets uh, Graham booked. Was it Graham that he got? Yeah, booked? it was just before half-time. I, and it's it that mad spell of like yeah. three or four yellow cards just before half-time. But yeah, he did that. You're right. He, he... Aye. And, and there was multiple occasions. And even like he, he, there was one where he had a sliding tackle. He gets back up, he take, knocks it past the guy and plays the ball calmly out of the fence. So, no, he was, he was absolutely fantastic. And, um, yeah, I've been massively impressed with him this season. So, my memory's not great, right? But I think Lico Day came back from an injury, was it around about Christmas time last year? 
by mm-hmm. a year ago, around about kind of Christmas New Year last year. And I think uh, ever since then, ever since he came back into the squad after that, and he wasn't, he didn't play every single week, obviously, but when he did, you could see that he was getting, he, he just looked, he looked a lot better and he was improving and his fitness and everything else and everything that comes with that. And this is kind of the culmination of it. This is him. He's fantastic. He's been great. And I, I'm with both of you, by the way. So that, that's it. Completely ruined for Andy that was waiting <laughs> to hear who our man of the match was going to be. It's absolutely 100% legal day. I don't know who the sponsors gave it to tonight. I don't know. Uh, if they, they gave it to Simon Murray, which is not a badge. Well, I mean, I disagree with it. But Simon Murray, again, was you know great tonight, obviously, yeah. with a goal, which we'll talk about in a minute. But... How could anybody have seen past legal day tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think, do you know, I often think that sponsors in situations like this, they're going to be looking out for the guys that are scoring goals because they're maybe not always fans of the club and they're, they're there for a week in a hospitality day out and they're not paying as much attention to it as people like us are. But for me, Kildare was, the, he was, he was phenomenal today. And I agree with you, Callum, it was probably his... Not to exaggerate, but his best performance ever. Like He was, he was brilliant, absolutely yep. brilliant. Yep. He was definitely emulating some of his uh, his best Charlie Fox moments, as you said, Calum. That that's something that we've seen Fox do a number of times when he picks the ball up and loves his marauding runs, and he got a few of them in today as well. It's got to be said, he absolutely loves playing against Partick Thistle because I think every game he's had this season against him has been one of his best. Also, Tommy Robson again had. There's actually there was a number of really, really, really good performances. Tommy Robson, best left back in the league. Cough, cough. Oh, well, listen, we we'll, we'll come on to some maybe some of that later. In fact, do you want to go down? No, I was I was just gonna say, listen, I think Rob Harry Milne is fine, right? But he didn't look fine tonight. He, he's he's alright. He's alright, but with a bit of practice, if he tries hard enough, he might one day be as good as Tommy Robson. I think <laughs> I think he's got a long way to go for that. See the three times I've seen him this season, I think he's got a long way to go there. But um, no, there was a number of good players tonight, a number of good performances. However, despite the fact, as we said at the beginning, it maybe wasn't overall our best performance and we did I don't know maybe we laboured a little bit up front however not long after that Kilday chance so that, that has my notice around about six or seven minutes into the game within ten minutes it was 1-0 Queen's Park it was a nice early goal it was of course Simon Murray it was some some lovely play again just on the edge of the box as per usual as it is with Queen's Park slowly building up and getting the ball there into the dangerous position and making the right runs and I believe it was Savory dropped the ball off to Robson, who then made a, an excellent run round the round the side of the, the defender, round the side of the centre half. Robson played a brilliant through ball through to Savory, who cut it across the six yard box. Simon Murray will not miss from six yards into the back of the net. And I mean, what else, what else is to say? What's that now? Is that 11, 10, 11 goals this season? 11, 11 in the league. 11 league Plus goals the league this cup season. games as well. 11 goals in the league. Um, and we're at January. Uh, so he's now he's now actually so I believe Akinyemi has fifteen in the league and Murray has eleven in the league. Can he catch him? Yes. Yes. <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell, yes. Yes. I, I am getting so utterly bemused by how well we managed to play in a lot of these games and also how well we managed to grind out some of these games, and that's what that was to an extent today. Because the difference that I seem to see in us from us in comparison to other teams is that Seawells Thistle had a lot of the ball today and I think they looked much better in the middle of the park than we did, which is a shame because like Thompson and, and Mal have been excellent for most of the season and whether that was a formation thing, I'm not sure, but they had a lot more time on the ball in the middle of the park than we did. But see, as soon as we get the ball up to that front three, 
or whoever it may be as well. It's not necessarily just Savory. I mean, obviously Jarrett had an excellent game. We look so, so dangerous, more so than most teams in the league. And the fact that we were able to sub Dom Thomas today, bring on Jarrett, who then scores the the sort of the safety goal, if you want to call it that, just tells you everything that you need to know about the forward options that we got. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. But yes, I think Murray can catch Akinyemi because I think fundamentally we have more as a team than Air do throughout the squad. And I think that over the course of the next, how many games would that be? 15 games or whatever it may be. I think we've got more of a chance of creating opportunities for Murray than Air do. Well, also, you have to bear in mind that Air has a club historically have this habit of just utterly collapsing around about Christmas time. And it's not unusual for them to have a really good start to the season and then run about this time of year just uh, fall out of the fall out of it altogether and, and then suddenly they're not challengers anymore. So that's that could potentially present a problem for Akinyemi for Akinyemi's challenge to the, the, the top scorer accolade. So yeah, um I I, I mean four goals is, is I was gonna say it's nothing. I mean four goals is great, but I, I think he's totally capable of finishing top scorer in the league. Eleven goals at this stage in the season is fantastic. There's not a single club in this league who would not take Simon Murray right now. And it just shows you, doesn't it? It shows you the difference of both the players that are around you and how that can impact your opportunities and also the impact of having such a competent manager. Yeah. Because Murray's been with us for years and he's clearly a very good footballer, but he hasn't shown it properly until this season. This is a season yeah. that we are seeing the Simon Murray that I think we all thought we would see. Yep. It's absolutely amazing to see what he is doing this season. And it is the, the kind of Simon Murray that we all wanted to see from day one. But you've got to remember when he came with us, it was a gamble by Queen's Park. Like he was coming back from South Africa having had a it was an ACL injury, which... 18 months, was it? Um, listen, I'm a, I'm a big fan of my American football. I know that might get me kind of shouted at by Ooh. some by some folk, including Enzo beside me, but I'm a fan of my American football, and that's a very common injury there, and that is an absolutely brutal injury. It just completely destroys your knee. For Simon Murray to have came back, got himself fit enough that for Queen's Park to say, OK, yeah, we're, we're going to take a chance on you. Remember when he came to us, he still had three to four months. He didn't make his debut until the November. Is that right? It was yeah, late October, yeah. November. He still had months of, of rehab still to do. Don't get me wrong, we're absolutely reaping the rewards of that right now. And it's unbelievable to see. And, I mean, even skipping ahead to the end of the game, you see him coming off the park. Obviously, yes, he, he was subbed off and, and Scott Williamson came on for the last 10 minutes or so. But you see how much he's loving it. We kind of spoke very, very, very briefly last week. We're not going to talk about it too much because this is going to be very positive this week. We're not going to talk about the potential of him going anywhere. But you've even seen that victory tonight and him walking off the park. You've seen how much he loved that. I think Simon Murray's got that same same thing that Owen Coyle has where he just gets it. Like He knows that this is a small club, but he knows how much it means. And the guy absolutely loves it. He loves it. He loves scoring goals. He loves winning games. And I think C making him the captain of the squad, I think has elevated him even more. I think Simon yeah, Murray, and we've seen that we've seen this from the playoffs. I think Simon Murray thrives on the pressure. I think he likes thinking this is a big moment, like this is what I'm here for, more so than the stuff which is a wee bit like smaller and and not as not as impactful. But yeah, I struggle to think of many more players that I've enjoyed watching than Simon Murray this season. To be perfectly honest, the crazy thing is, I think. Up until maybe a few weeks before the playoffs last season, a lot of people probably wouldn't even have given him a new contract because because yeah. that's that, that, that was just yeah, and that's just the situation we were in. We had a striker who was probably taking up a large chunk of the wage budget, and we we weren't really seeing the return that we hoped to see from him. But 
just from that Dunfermline from the the two because he was good in the game he was good in the game at uh, at Fur Hill as well even though obviously we didn't win that game we, but we ended up getting through there and winning but you could see him he turned it on that night and from then onwards he's just he's been a totally different player and he needs a new contract he needs a new contract let's not get a little listen we won't get into that too much right but this is a guy who we should be and I think we will be by the way don't get me wrong I think we will be looking to get him tied up for another year or two I think I would probably even give him another two years at this point because the worst comes 30 aye that's fine now is he 30 um, I'm feeling certain he is, but we can quickly, very, very quickly double we'll check. Verify, for you. You can we'll verify that. Well, for you continue your your, your yeah. future. Yeah. So I would give him another two years, and I totally agree with you. By the way, the responsibility of the captaincy has just it, he's taken to it so well, and I I'll be completely honest with you. I love this man. He's he's one of he's one of my. No, honestly, in, in, in all the years that I've been watching Queen's Park, he is one of my favourite players. I just, I love the passion and the energy that he has. And uh, it's just, it's brilliant to see that. It's brilliant to see him reap the rewards of that on the park with all these goals and, 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 and all the victories that he's contributed towards. I just, I, I love Simon Murray, honestly, I do. I love him. And you, I know you two do. It's, I know it's a, yeah, everybody who's listening to this loves Simon Murray. We all do. Certainly, like yourselves, I pray for a, a Simon contract extension. The, the only sort of glim, uh, glimmer of hope that I can give everybody is, of course, posted a little Christmas message <laughs> on Twitter for everybody. You know, Merry Christmas. Wait, Simon Murray did? No, I did. Oh, you did? I thought uh, Simon Murray sorry. did. I was like, I've not seen this. I've seen your one. The podcast. Yes. But that's what I'm saying. The podcast yes. page, uh, it's mainly my nonsense patter. So apologies if you like that. But yes, so when I posted a, a Christmas message, obviously wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and a reminder that when it came to pulling your Christmas crackers, because you've got, you got to make a wish, that we all wish for a Simon Murray contract extension, that was liked by none other than Director of Football, Mary Muka on Twitter. So you've got to assume that he is hard at work at that, and I hope that maybe second to a, a, a permanent contract for Malachi Voting. I, I think that I think that, that is that is all I want him working on. Right, um, question. Maybe, oh, well, I got I'll, greedy. Oh, you got greedy. Oh, I what got did, greedy. What did you wish for? I wish for everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you wish for us to be top of the league by any chance? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't wish for that because I knew that was going to happen regardless. What I wished for was Simon Murray, obviously. Right. I also wished for Charlie Fox on a five-year deal. And I wish for us to sign Malachi Boateng permanently. Right, I have a question. Do you sacrifice one stand behind the goal for one Malachi Boateng? There is no stand behind the goal. Exactly. I say, assume we're going to... Like Hamden. Say, say we've, got the, we've got the pendulum here and we've got one Malachi Boateng or you can have one stand behind the goal. At lesser. At lesser. At lesser. I am... Um, a lot of years. It seems like a wee bit of a joke, but with my um, sort of group of friends from school and stuff that obviously talk I've got party Mitchell fans etc etc I've been talking there this evening um, some of them have been asking you know, what is the deal why Why are we you know, we're not going into that today because this is a this is a positive, is a positive episode. it's also very positive because we're also a little bit tipsy so I'm sure you can all tell that but um, it's very positive because when I was asked what are we doing with this what is going to happen going forward my initial reaction straight away was, I don't care where we play. See if we sign Malachi Boateng, I would take, I would take playing in every away state. I'd take not having a home state. <laughs> See this? What we're sitting would... right now? I'd give this up to sign Malachi Boateng. <laughs> we are. I'd give up my home to sign that man. No, actually, no. Listen, obviously, we're we're all we're all we're all laughing and joking about it, but regardless of 
of, of all this. He's he is legitimately, and I and I don't I don't say this lightly. He is the most exciting young talent I have ever seen play for the he's club. He's the most complete player. He's, he's only he's, just turned twenty years old. He's up there, and it is at the point now where you have to say, how does he compare to you to Dave, like the legendary David Anderson? There may there may be some fans different that players, but there, there are different players, and there may be some fans that listen that don't you know know or, or, or seen David Anderson play for Queens Park, but. If you ask any of us older guys that did, uh, we older guys now. Is that? Is that yeah, is we are. I, I was thinking because see when I Google time and Murray's age, and we were talking about whether we'd give him a question. Well, he's younger than session. me. He's like a month younger yeah, than me. Yeah, he's younger than me too. Yeah, I, he was born in March nineteen ninety-two, and I'm like, I'm at that stage where if I was a footballer, I'd be on like one year deals. So like, pays you play contracts. <laughs> Maintain your wages at your goal bonuses or something. Right. I'm telling you that um, Malachi Boating is up there with David Anderson. Just for me, and I'm and I'm willing again to say it now, in terms of just the the, the talent and just I don't, I don't know is it like the opera? It's, 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 it's that kind of feeling of see when you see him getting the ball because there was a few and we're gonna we are gonna come. We've back. We've not actually talked. We're gonna come back tonight. We've only got ten minutes through the game and we've already deviated many away here. But we um, we're gonna come back to the game. But the just throughout the game when there were when there were points where we were under a lot of pressure and we won the ball back and you see the quick one twos you see us trying to get the ball out of play for the most part it's a case of the ball went to Malachi Boateng and he just settled it right down a nice easy pass just it's, it's experience beyond his years isn't it yeah totally see if you just look at that squad today right and thinking of the age profile of the guys that have had impact in that game so Simon Murray obviously we've talked about same as us End his career, right? Right. He has many years to go. Yeah, We're at our careers. He has many years to go. Yes. So he he's a bit older, but Savory sets up the goal. Young guy. You've got Jarrett sets up or scores a goal. Young guy. Guys that are involved with the squad at that point. Josh McPake, very very young. You've got um, Alex Bannon on the bench. Lennon Connolly. We've seen the introduction of Scott Williamson again, um, and Aaron Healy. Yeah, Healy got absolute. Yeah plethora of potential and it's so interesting to see the type of guys that we're picking up now because just sort of circling back around to Aaron Healy if you think like we're used to picking up a load of players from the junior side as Queen's Park fans but it's never been these ones and these are the ones that which I didn't I'm not sure I was conscious of that existed in the juniors because they would have just got poached to a much higher level than what we were at the time um but yeah, back back on Mal, he's um, absolutely brilliant, and frankly, I'm still in the position of enjoying whilst he's here because I think the guy has a wonderful career ahead of him. I think, yeah, I think he is going to make it at the highest level. I truly do. I think the guy has. Do you think it, he'll be kept within the palace setup? Uh, yes, actually, they'll have people watching him, and they will be very happy with what they're seeing. And it's just, I, the thing that I struggle with is. This is a guy who's only just turned 20 years old in the summer there. I mean, that is outrageous. He's only just turned 20 years old. 2002. 2002 was born. We're thinking Simon Money makes us feel... 2002, the guy was born. uh, He's brilliant. He's absolutely phenomenal. And we could could rant and rave about how brilliant Mal Boateng is for about three hours. And we could do a full episode on how great he is, but we're not going to do that because... 
we have a fantastic victory over Partick. That's what we talk about. We, so we absolutely do. We right. should probably move on and talk a bit more about the game. We should because we're rambling at this point. And yeah, you're absolutely right. There's so many. There is so many good things to talk about and all these amazing players we have. Let's get back to the game and actually what has happened this evening and how we then move forward from that. So, of course, it was about 10 minutes in and it was a sign Murray 1-0. But from that point, although we're saying we want to move on and talk about it, I mean, it was it got a little bit tough for Queen's Park. Um Party Dizzle came back into the game a little bit. Now, for all that they had a bit of possession and a bit of pressure and things like that, they didn't create too much. However, there was one particularly very good save from Callum Ferry. It was around about the twenty minute mark or so. It was a cross in from our left and it was met by Brian Graham at the front post and I, it was only about six yards out or so. It was a really good, you know, it was a good head on a good cross. Callum Ferry gets down so quickly and so well, and it's a really, really good save. Like at that point, that was one of those ones where you just kind of go, like, wow, that game saving. At that point, you're maybe like, oh, I don't know. But see, when you look back now, that was a potential game saving save. Yeah, it was. It was totally. And I actually think Ferry on the whole had a fantastic game. He had quite a lot to do and there was a lot they had to do in terms of crosses into the box as well which I felt he dealt with a lot better than what he has done in previous games yeah that's something for a long time this season that you've that we've all had maybe complaints yeah. he doesn't do that enough but you're right he did that tonight aye um, but you're right that, that that period up until half time I think Thistle done really really well and I thought there was a few things that I thought were interesting tactically because we seemed to struggle we started to miss out the midfield we were really keen on passing it out from our fullbacks and from Charlie Fox slash Cool Day, but passing that straight up to Murray where he's back to goal. And I'm, the, the, the intricate sort of one-twos are really, really effective for us a lot of the time, but Thistle kind of had us found out on that. And we're kind of missing out Mal and um, Jack Thompson a lot of the time in those those sort of passing moves, which I thought was a bit strange. Whereas Thistle just seemed to find all the gaps. They spent so much time at the edge of our box, but thankfully with the, the defending from Cool Day and Co., um, today we managed to deal with most of it, but I'd, I'm, if I'm honest, I don't think I would have begrudged Thistle coming in at the break having scored a goal. Yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, it would be unfair to suggest that Thistle didn't have this kind of period of dominance. Once after we, we went 1 0 up, and I, I think we probably controlled the first 20 minutes or so of the game, but after that they came into it and uh, they were they were good. They, listen, I, I actually don't think Thistle played badly today. I think. I think they showed what they can do as a team, and uh, they were, you know, a strong attacking presence. They defended relatively well, although during this period of time, I don't think we had too much of the ball in their half. But um, overall, I, you, as you say, it would it wouldn't have been unreasonable had we gone in at one each. But we managed to keep the ball out. Ferry, I actually think he was one of our better players. Obviously, we we gave Lee Day man of the match, and and I and I think. He was he was brilliant today, but Ferry did everything that he was called upon to do today. He did well. I particularly liked the 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 point in the first half when he decided to come out and skin the thistle forward. <laughs> right, yeah. out. it must have been about forty yards out for his goal or something like that. At yeah. that point, he took it back past the first guy, and then you're like, all right, okay, just drop the you pass the ball to the right back, pass it to Davidson or pass it to whoever it was. And he kept, and then he went, he went, oh no, I'll take it past the second guy. And you're like, hang on a minute. I thought he was going to keep running and do like a like like remember when Jake Davidson up in Inverness earlier this season where he just kept running and 
the, the Inverness defenders just stood off him and he kept running. I was, I was hoping Ferry was, well, I wasn't hoping, but I was worried, <laughs> I was wondering if Ferry was going to do that. But um, no, he was brilliant today. He was really, really good. And, and it's interesting because obviously you mentioned it earlier on, like he, he, was, he was confident coming out and collecting corners. Now, I don't know if that's because Thistle weren't great from their corners. Probably weren't, to be honest, but he has improved. That's another thing that he's improved in. And, and I know that a lot of people have, he's, he's had a lot of grief for it over this season and even maybe even last season, but that is something that he's got a lot better at. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a common fact. Well, there's a couple of things to pick up on there because another thing that Ferry's improved on, and we haven't talked about it in weeks, and I think that tells you the improvement is he's kicking. He had a lot of the ball at his feet today, a lot of the ball because we were passing it all around in triangles around the defence with Mal quite often today. And his kicking has been absolutely fine for a period of time now. But the thing that I don't think we've actually touched on much in the last weeks, aside from when he initially came back into the squad and got man of the match, is Charlie Fox. We have won seven games in a row. Charlie Fox came back into the squad. And since that point, we have won every single game. Well, this is why he was one of my uh, Christmas wishes. A five-year contract for Charlie Fox. Listen, do you guys, do you, I'm assuming, obviously, you both remember last season when we didn't know whether Fox was going to be coming back or not. Because, let's be honest, he was brilliant. He was phenomenal last year. And he's proven it again. That he's, yeah. This is a guy, listen, Charlie Fox could step up to the Premiership. I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever. See, if you pick Charlie Fox up and put him in a, an Aberdeen, a Hibs, a... I don't know, Dundee United, Ross it doesn't matter which team. This is a guy who's capable of playing at a higher level. I think I think Fox would like to play at that level with us. Because you saw at the end of the game today, he was up, he was in the Thistle's fan he was in the Thistle fans' faces. He was he was winding them right up, which I thought was brilliant, right? And there was obviously the <laughs> there were allegations <laughs> now, which I don't believe, and we shouldn't laugh about this because there's no. I don't think it happened. Well, it, we'll laugh because it's. We'll laugh because it's. We'll laugh time. because it's nonsense. There were all, there were allegations from a Thistle fan that Charlie Fox spat on them. Now that's nonsense. Is it's nonsense? Of course, absolutely it's rubbish. Because Charlie, of those, because of that rubbish. Point. He's a lovely. If you you've met, I've, we've all met Charlie Fox. He's an absolute gentleman. Oh, there's yeah. no way he spat on anyone. So. This is a guy who loves playing for the club, who has been a big factor in our success over the past six to eight months. And look back uh, last season as well. You remember there was a long period of time he was out of the squad. Yeah, exactly. And he came back in around about this time last year where there was another change yep. behind the scenes. Charlie Fox then dropped, got Ellis sacked. Yes, oh, I agree with no. that. It's weird because Ellis, Ellis actually, well, it, I don't, we don't know whether Ellis specifically was the one that wanted Fox, but Ellis was the manager when Fox signed for us. After a period of time, he refused to play him. And I actually agree with you. I think Ellis, his, it Ellis's his, downfall was not giving Charlie Fox any games. Yeah, his, it was, his downfall was his refusal to go back and to accept his mistake or whatever and to bring Fox back in when there was times where we were quite clearly struggling to set events. Yeah, that was his biggest downfall. Yeah, totally agree. Anyway, Charlie Fox, brilliant. <laughs> that can, that's a Co- common theme for today. We are very happy. About I feel as though I feel as though we've not actually no. But listen, right, the thing I've is, got, I've got some, I've got some balance to this. Okay, thing. go for the, it. The yin to the yang in terms of the the squad today, right? Because we're focused. We're focusing. Sorry if you can hear uh, Enzo's as in the background. She sometimes is relatively unhappy with David's existence. Um, however, I th- I think there were some 
some things to pick up on which which were kind of notable. So in the first half in particular, I think McPate got caught out quite a lot defensively. Totally agree. I think he had a good a good game going forward, but there were three distinct occasions where he lost his man and it resulted in really, really good chances for Thistle. I think he had a much I think he had an improved second half, but I think that was pretty evident, which was disappointing. And I think the other sort of tactical area which I touched on previously is that I just I thought Jack Thompson didn't have his best game for us. He's been really, really good all season, so I'm loath to give him any significant criticism. Um, because he has been absolutely excellent on the whole, but I thought he struggled today. Usually his passing's pretty crisp, but a lot of the times he was trying to make really, really positive moves in terms of either passes forward or driving forward with the ball, but it just wasn't quite working for him today. But that's fine for me overall because you can't expect every all of our sort of players to have a good game every single week. And it's at that point that you need the other guys to to kind of pick up and sort of fill in, which they did fantastically. Yeah, and also to be fair, like I think I think there's something to be said for having guys like Thompson, who's very important for us, and he has been very important all season. And uh, guys like McP- McPake has been great. Probably, I would probably say since the Thistle game at Fur Hill, I think there's something to be said for us playing well and winning games when these guys maybe aren't having their best performances. That is that is really important. Um, and even do you know? I, and I, I absolutely love Don Thomas, but I actually think in the first half in particular, I think he struggled going forward a little bit. I think he was he was really good defensively and I think he was involved defensively, but I think going forward, they kind of struggled a little bit. But as I say, I th- it's great. It, it shows how talented a squad this is that we can have important players like that not be at their best and we still come away with a 2 nothing victory. Yeah, Izzy's not the uh, the only woman in my life that hates my presence, but we'll we'll move on from that, and we'll uh, we will we will get back onto the subject at hand. We don't need to be talking about that anymore right now. Let's get back to the actual game itself. So obviously, as we say, after going one 0 up, Partick Thistle did have a good bit of pressure. You know, they were they were getting involved in the game, and for the most part, we were dealing with it. And it was at the point where we were starting to maybe struggle to to break out and, and to counter their pressure. We eventually started doing that with maybe about five minutes to go in the first half. But then there was that really sort of wild couple of minutes where in one of those counters, we did break out. McPake was on the end of a tackle from uh, Brownlee, who got booked for that. And that kind of sparked, a, a sort, as I say, a couple of minutes of madness where, for some reason, I don't, I, I don't think I'm being biased, but like, it was a it was a yellow card tackle. It was sort of a, a dive in. It looked like there was some contact on McPake. Um but Thistle players completely lost the head. Lawless and then Lawless got booked for protesting about the free kick and then for not standing ten yards away from it, which is just stupid. And then that big daft tip, Brian Graham. Calm, I know you don't like him. And I mean I think that's the best because let's be honest, he had he had for that apart from that header apart from that header with Cal that Calum Ferry saved really well. Graham was a big tip today. He was useless, wasn't he? Aye, I think that's the most friendly way that I've heard to describe Brian Graham in my life. Um, and I, I tried to, I even tried to tone it down there for this. But yes, yeah, I think that, I think I described him last week as everything that I don't like in a footballer. He's not a particularly ball playing footballer. He's a big guy who dives, and that just frustrates me because he shouldn't. But he's made a career out of it, and he does score a lot of goals. And he, I think he's still like what third top goal scorer, maybe unless somebody scored a few goals today that I don't know about. Um, but I, I just Thistle were just lacking a wee bit of cutting edge throughout the whole game. I thought 
they've got a lot of tidy players. The wee guy out in the in the middle of the park, the blonde guy whose name I have already. Scott Tiffany. Scott Tiffany, I I don't know why I forgot that. He he was really really tidy old game, but we just matched them all over the park in that respect. The five minutes at the end was a bit wild, to be fair. I thought I can understand why Thistle fans were a wee bit raging, but <laughs> obviously you heard our uh, sort of light-hearted quips at the start in terms of the the introductions, and. I think they were going a wee bit over the top about the referee's performance. I thought the referee actually let a lot go throughout the game for both teams. And I think in some instances, referees would have been tempted to send him off for that tackle on McPeak because it didn't look particularly nice. I personally don't think it was a red card, but I've seen sending offs for, for less than that. Um, and they just, as, as you mentioned, David, they just lost the head a wee bit from it. And again, I think that comes down to management. How do you set up your team? How do you get them to sort of win effectively without losing their head all the time? And see if you actually look at the bookings across the entire league, Queens are one of the lowest in the league. I think when I looked at it last week, we had something like 26 bookings. And by comparison, I think it was Morton and um, his, our, our former former uh, Queens Park player, Jai Katongo, who were uh, top of the league in terms of yellow cards, and they had something near 50. So, like, if you compare that with how many we've got, it's it's a significant difference. And part of that is obviously going to be indicative of we tend to hold a lot of possession, um, but a lot of that is also around petulance. And I think on the whole this season, we've done pretty well at cutting out the squad. I know Dom Thomas had a wee incident, but on the most part, I think we've managed to refrain from that kind of escalation. I think we've learned from that incident as well. You mentioned the Dom Thomas red card where he gets suspended and we went up to Cove and ended up losing 2 nothing. And we, we obviously, Dom himself was great on the microphone as a pundit, but obviously on, on the pitch, we, we, we really missed him. I'm not entirely sure if it was a red card. I'll need to see the highlights. Obviously, at the time I claimed for it, I was, I was screaming my head off because that's just what you do when you're a fan, whether you think it was a red card or not. But... I do think that the, the, the Thistle players, I think the yellow cards, at least anyway, were warranted. I think their attitude wasn't great. I think the Brian Graham is, as you say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use the sort of foul language that you use, David. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of much worse things to say about Brian Graham than call him a tit. But <laughs> um, aye, he's just one of these. He's just a very, very dislikable player if he's not on your team. I think he's one of these guys that if he plays for you. You probably love, but I. It's just that I'm. I'm really pleased that we've managed to get it up him three times so far this season. So yeah, that's that. <laughs> you won't call him a tit, but you'll get it up him. I won't call him a tit, but I'll get it up him, <laughs> and I hope he's absolutely raging the night. I'm almost certain that he is. Having seen him, especially when he gets subbed off in the second half, he didn't look particularly happy. So I'm almost certain he's raging tonight. And well, cheers, Brian. Uh, let's move on. As I said, so we, we got into half time. So though that kind of, as I say, that we sort of period of madness was at half time. Thistle made a couple of substitutes at half time, and I, I think it's fair to say for the most part they worked because again in the set the to begin the second half, Thistle came out and they had most of the ball. They were putting us under a bit of pressure, but still though, for all the pressure that they had, they weren't really convert into much they had a lot of the ball they were on the edge of our box passing it around but the, a poor final ball poor decisions they just couldn't take advantage of it and well it was relatively 
especially especially with the, the, the way that Lico Day played tonight, it was relatively easy to deal with, wasn't it? I didn't feel that way. I I I don't know what my heart rate was registering on my watch today, but it was I, I struggled with that. <laughs> I think the importance of the game was pretty evident. I think you knew that this was a big game for lots of reasons. Um, but on the whole, we we did what we had to do. Um, the guys stepped up to it, and that's been the biggest difference this season from last. When we had all of those draws, when even when you had a commanding two 0 lead, I still had it in my head. I was like. Oh, there's a chance that we could lose this, and that's because when you spell back to last season, we did. I we did. We did multiple occasions. Multiple occasions. I remember. Obviously, there's there's loads of games that stand out, but the one like Aloe away where we were one up, and there's just like there's there's so many games that stand out where we chuck leads away. But this season, we've proven that that is not the type of team that we are, and not only that, but there have been several occasions where we've actually come from behind, which is something that we did not do. And that whole hoodoo of us struggling when we go a goal behind, obviously it wasn't relevant to today's game, but thinking back on Wraith, and, and there, there are numerous examples this season, we are capable of that. And, and it's, it's, that's a, an indication of the, that's a, a team spirit thing, I think. But as I say, Cal, for all that you, you may be worried about, when you look back at the match stats, right, possession, 55 to 45 in favour of Partick Thistle. Okay, fine, they had a little bit more of the ball. Goal attempts, 12 to 16, but actual shots on goal, five for Queen's Park and only four for Partick Thistle. That's what I'm saying, where for as much as they had them on the don't get me wrong, I wasn't I wasn't relaxed any time that they had the ball around our box, because I'm never relaxed when it comes to that, but as, as I say, aside from that ferry save and, well, I suppose the, the one really good bit of football that Partick Thistle played, I think it was after uh, Tony Weston was introduced and he was out on the left wing, and it was a nice sort of one-two... I think it was a one, two, three. Technically, if you count the dummy that that sold the pass, um, I don't actually recall who it was that went through on goal. But there was a one good shot there, and then they hit the post as well. Not and then including the fact that there was a chance where Cal- it was a, a long ball over the top where Cam Ferry had to come charging out, and now he made he made a really good you know a brave decision to go down and and clear the ball. Wasn't in particular happy that he got back up. It was one of those instances where the player's looking around for the ball and he can't find it, and it's all the way up over his head, and it was about twenty meters away from him. Thankfully, uh, the the party as a midfielder had an open goal from twenty five meters and missed it. But really, apart from hitting that post in the second half, there wasn't like a dangerous effort yeah. on goal, as you said earlier on. Everything that Callum Ferry had to do, it was the kind of thing you expected him to deal with. Yeah, yeah, no, you're totally right. You're totally right, and that's kind of indicative of us last season. And I think it has, it comes back around to a lot of credit for both two things: one, the signings the club have made this summer, and two, the coaching and the difference in play from what we've seen before. Because if you look at that starting eleven today, the entirety of the defence played last season. You've got Jack Thompson in midfield, and then you've got Simon Murray up front. So that's seven out of your starting eleven, which were playing last season and we've added on Grant Savory, Dom Thomas, Mal Boateng to that. So that is that is a team that is largely similar to what we've seen in previous years, but the standard and the quality of all of these guys is just upgraded tenfold. Well, yeah, I, I fully agree with that, but unfortunately it doesn't fit the narrative that we are now buying our way up the leagues because you know, if, if we, this is these are seven of eleven guys who finished fourth in League One last season who've stepped up because we have a brilliant manager who is getting the most out of them. 
Um, but you're not you're not going to think people aren't going to people aren't going to talk about that because it doesn't. No. As I say, people have an agenda that we are buying our way through the leagues, and we're not because we were. We wouldn't have finished twenty odd points behind Cove last 20, year. Twenty eight behind Cove. Twenty eight and twenty behind 20, Airdrie, who we beat in the playoff yeah, final. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we continue on obviously through the second half, and for the as for all that Partick Thistle started well, we we dealt with most of it, and. We then started to grow into the game a little bit and Callum, it was something that you said during the game and the substitutes just in general that we made helped us sort of solidify our position. The first substitution that was made was in the 70th minute and it was Patrick Jarrett coming on for Dom Thomas and in the 76th minute it was Patrick Jarrett making it 2-0 for Queen's Park. So I mean, as, as, as good a substitute as you're going to find there. It was um, some good work on the left-hand side and it was a through ball from Tommy Robson, who unfortunately this uh, this evening or this afternoon broke his streak of scoring against Partick Thistle, but I'm sure he'll take an assist against his former club. And played Patrick Jarrett in, down the left-hand side, took the ball into the box, and he slid the ball under um, Snedden, wasn't it? James Snedden. It was in the uh, Snedden and the Partick Thistle goal. It took a wee moment because we were all kind of, hang on a minute, did that hit the side netting? Because you just... You couldn't quite tell from the angle, but see when you realise that I hit the net. Well, I don't know about you, but I was so excited that I happened to fall over down the uh, down the stairs at the Alcoview stand. I've got a nice little skint elbow for it, but you know what? If what? that's if if that's the price I have to pay for a Queen's Park goal, I'll do that four times a Saturday for the next fifteen weeks. Fifteen years, David. Fifteen so, years. So, if I, so what you're saying is, David, if I can chuck you down the stand of whatever ground we're in every time for a goal, you'd be okay with that. If that guarantees a goal every time, do it. On you go. Okay, I've, seen, I've seen this work multiple times. My brother-in-law and one of my pals came to the are both away, not the, this time but the last time, and they fell down the stairs and it ended up an excellent result. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, again, this just shows why Coyle is a football manager and I am not because whilst Dom Thomas maybe didn't have his most impactful game, if I was making a substitution. I would have taken off my pick at that point, I think. Yeah, not Jar- not, yeah. not um not Thomas. Um but Jarrett came on, they packed Savory outright, and I honestly Savory was fantastic. See when he got put out in the right hand side of the pitch, see the amount of defensive work that he done, yeah. It was tremendous. Um and Jarrett obviously gets his goal as well. Uh with Robson beating his like the wee club that he started that. Um what song was that? I don't know. Some wee junior team. Aye, one 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 of these wee small Glasgow sides. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it was absolutely excellent. And I, I I honestly right, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I feel sorry for Pat Jarrett because I genuinely think he's a very good footballer, and I don't know what his goals per minute ratio must be, but it must be pretty good because he's only had very very limited game time this season, and he's always looked particularly solid. In fact. If I'm honest, I don't think he's ever looked bad for us when he's no. played. He's looked very, very effective as a footballer. And I think Coyle references, like we, when we watched the interview with Coyle after the game today, Coyle references that he was suffering from an injury. He's still coming back no. from an injury and he's not 100%. I don't know about you guys, but like I have no recollection of this being announced anywhere. No. I didn't know he was injured. Um, but maybe that tells us some story as to why he's not been particularly is it, involved. Is that, well, not, is that not a deeper problem with other things that we have with the club? Uh, that's, 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 that's a positive episode. Happy, 
positive episode. Yeah. Enzo go. No, listen, uh, Patrick Jarrett disappeared from the lineup from a game for, for a game a few weeks ago. That's true. Was it, the, was it was it Peter Headaway? I think it might have been Peter Head. Yeah, I can't remember specifically, but I think it was Peter Headaway. He disappeared from the starting eleven, uh, and he wasn't on the bench, and we were a little bit confused about that. And I suspect that that is what Coyle is referencing. I think Patrick Jarrett is a fantastic player. I really, really rate him. I think he's brilliant. I think uh, he's on a he's got, he's got another year after this year as well. So we've got him on a three-year contract. Yeah. So um, he's he's a really exciting prospect again because he's a young guy. I mean, I, I believe we have one of, if not the youngest, average age in our starting eleven in this division, and Jarrett is obviously part of that. But he's he's slightly unfortunate, I suppose, that recently we found this shape whereby. Grant Savory plays behind Simon Murray because if you're looking at the players that we have and and the options that we have on those wings, you'd, I would quite like to see Thomas out on the left hand side, Dom Thomas on the left, Grant Savory on the right, and Patrick Jarrett behind Simon Murray. The trouble is Savory has been brilliant playing just behind Murray, and uh, it's really difficult to change that. But I don't know. I think if he's going to be a good option off the bench, then I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. I just I, th- I think I think Jarrett's a really good player. And I think we're I think we're lucky to have him as an option. I I think Jarrett's biggest problem, unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately for us, is Grant Savory. Yeah. Because the form of Grant Savory this season has been. He did have his um. He had a dodgy spell when he had his his Stuky on his wrist, but you'll notice that ever since that Stuky completely disappeared. He's been back to his absolute best yep. and he's been moving completely freely and and, and back to absolutely terrorising defenders and he was at it today. Some, some of the moves he was making on, on the Partick Thistle defenders were absolutely incredible. Jarrett has been a very good player for us so far and he's one of those players that to have available, even if he's not going to be starting, obviously it's going to be difficult for him because he's a footballer and I think we all look at footballers as very simple creatures as... If they're not kicking a football, they're going to be sitting there absolutely fuming. But he's not going to be playing as much as he perhaps wants to right now. But he is more than good enough to do that. And with having him as an option on the bench, it's so good for us as a club and us, us as fans to have a player like that. Because I think when we're talking earlier on, and as we'll come on to talk about, of course, we're now into January and the transfer window's open. And you're maybe looking at the clubs around us and everybody's looking at the club depth and, and, and things like that. He's got to be one of the better options in terms of a... It feels really harsh to call him a backup, but in, well, terms, right. in, ter- in terms of a backup, yeah. he's got to be one of the one of the best in the league, surely. Yeah, and it's like succession planning, isn't it? Like We're wanting to bring these young guys into the squad so that we can develop them, so that they can become first-team players. And ultimately, we want some of the first-team players to get sold for a shed load of cash. That is the model, isn't it? Yep. So if you lose the likes of Grant Savory, which I don't think anyone would begrudge him at some point in the future, because he does have a career which is probably going to span past Queen's Park. I'm sure it will. He's he's an ambitious guy. You want someone like Jarrett to be then, okay, he's had the he's had the induction to the squad, he's been involved in the team, he's had the experience, and he's clearly a good player. You want him to just be able to step in. And that's where we're quite we've got quite a luxury with our forward players. I think less so in our defence. Yeah. I'm concerned if we lose one or two defenders in certain positions, but certainly in terms of our forward setup, our forward three that we tend to play, um, we've got we've now got a good set of options for us, which is great. So then, yeah, after the Jarrett goal, we obviously, um, well, I mean, it's two 0 and 
for, for as much as Thistle kind of huffed and puffed a little bit. And they, again, created another couple of chances towards the end of the game. Our substitutes, again, just helped kill the game a little bit. We, had, we saw Scott Williamson and, and Louis Longridge come on. Aaron Healy came on for his debut for the, la- for the last five minutes or so of the game. He did have one particular little move on the on the left wing where he, he skipped past a player and just played a pass inside. It, it wasn't much that perhaps in any other game or any other player you'd make note of, but it was his debut. It's his first time, so just worth mentioning. Uh, but then that was it. It was full time. It was Queen's Park 2, Partick Thistle nil. Our man of the match, we've already talked about it, is Lethal Day. And the league table already shows, we've already talked about it, but let's talk about it again. Queen's Park are now top of the Scottish Championship. We are in first place, 19 games played, 36 points. Our form, you know, you look at it on the BBC website. So green. Five little green W's in the last five games. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Let's run through the table very quickly. And Enzo, despite the fact that we've perhaps rambled, but that we've, we talked so, we've, we've rambled talked a lot. So much, because, it's just been such a good performance. And we're just so happy. Like, as everybody that's going to be listening, we're so happy that Queen's Park are top of the league. But Enzo has been desperate, desperate to get round to recap last week and his hot take, which for the first time in, this is episode 23, um, the first time, his hot take has actually came up. So let's run through the league table first. I can see him taking a deep breath. He's taking a deep breath in, ready to go for it. But let's run through the league table. In first place, Queen's Park on 36 points. Second place, Dundee. Hold yourself, Enzo. On 34 points. Ayr and Morton, they were supposed to play each other today. That game was uh, postponed due to a frozen park. So Ayr on 32. Greenock on 30 points. Partick Thistle on 30 points we are six points ahead of them <laughs> they came in hand fourth team in Glasgow is now part of this we spoke about that earlier on that's it it's done it's decided Wraith Rovers 27 Inverness 26 Cove 21 Abroath jumping up to 17 points Hamilton in 10th on 11 Enzo take it away your spicy hot take last week remind everybody what it was and talk about how you were right well, my spicy hot take last week was that our broth would go to Dens Park and get a result. However, I didn't think they would win 4-2. My, my prediction was based on the fact that they had been shipping goals like nobody's business. So I thought they would go to Dens Park and park the bus and get a nothing each or maybe a one each. I didn't think they would go and win 4-2. However, I would like to take this opportunity to thank our broth football club because they are the reason that we are now sitting top of the league. Uh, I'm curious to see the highlights back of that game because obviously there was a, there was a big crowd then at Dens Park. I believe it was around six and a half thousand. A brilliant, a brilliant crowd for the championship. Um, I'm sure Dundee obviously coming off the back of was it six or seven wins in a row that they must have been buzzing. So I they'll be they'll be raging and and that that's something to look forward to. Looking at that game just right now on. Um... On the old flash scores, I mean, obviously it doesn't help that Dundee went down to to ten men after half an hour. But then saying that, by that it was point, two nothing already point, at that point. By that point, they were two 0 down already. They did bring it back to two each. Um, however, they were only level for a minute before <laughs> before they went back behind. And well, that was that was game over. Um, what? Yeah, what a result for our growth. Um, we were what talking, a result for Queens Park. What a result for our growth. What a result for Queens Park. Um, elsewhere in the league, you're looking at Wraith beating Hamilton 1-0. Inverness with a big result against Cove Rangers, 6-1. 
That's a difficult one to judge, isn't it? Because Cove are not doing great right now. Um, Neither were Inverness. Last team would beat us, though. Well, I mean, I said in the last episode, I had, I had Inverness sitting as like fourth in my, my predictions for the rest of the season. I don't think that they'll continue to be bad for the rest of the year. And we've got them twice in January. Well, they, better, they better continue to be bad for at least January. <laughs> no, listen, obviously they brought in Jay Henderson on loan from St Mirren, who's apparently relatively highly rated. I, I, I take any loanies... Any young loanees from a, a, a premiership club or even like a club down south, I take that with a, a pinch of salt because you never really know. Obviously, we've had a couple that haven't really turned out to be what we were hoping for. However, I no, it looks as though Inverness, I, hopefully, they haven't. I hope Inverness haven't turned a corner. However, I do hope that Cove are thoroughly demoralised for us going up there next week. We'll come on and review that game very shortly. I would I would assume that they are fairly demoralised. I'm looking at that game and, I mean, listen, don't be wrong, 3-1 at half time, you're like, well, that's not a great result. Um, they brought on David McClelland at half time, and so 45th minute substitute on. Uh, 50th minute, David McClelland own goal. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Fair play, David McClelland, then, good for you. And then the 52nd minute, there was a, another own goal, um, another own goal by Cove Scott Ross. So two own goals helping Inverness to a big 6-1 victory. Yeah, we hope that, or maybe it inflates them and they think that they're a lot better than they are. And of course, we do play them a couple of times yeah. in January. We will we will come on and talk about them next week. But of course, we will look ahead to Cove this Saturday in a few minutes' time. So we'll move on and do our little uh, news segment. Uh, little because, again, there's there's no other games to catch up on elsewhere, but we are, of course, into January. It is uh, transfer season once again, uh, one that I'm sure we will be very excited to see what's going to happen. We obviously spoke last week, and I think, I think we were all agreed that we would expect to see some transfer activity that perhaps we wouldn't have expected at the beginning of the season, obviously given especially now that we are sitting top of the pile, maybe that will uh, encourage the club to to have a look uh, at some options that maybe they wouldn't have initially considered. But with that, there's always going to be transfers going out. Now, we've already spoke about Healy coming into the club, did get his debut uh, this afternoon against Partick Thistle. He has been confirmed he is here on a four-and-a-half-year deal but we've seen our first, well, again, not confirmed by Queen's Park yet, but we have seen our first departure from the club. It is Johnny Kenny, who, of course, was on loan from Celtic. He has now been announced by Shamrock Rovers on Twitter as signing with them on loan for the start of their season. Callum, I'll come to you first. Uh, in terms of that departure, it was... It was a signing that when we all seen it, you thought it was a guy that was coming with a bit of pedigree and... And, and a guy that looked like, he, I mean, he had scored goals in Ireland previously before he joined Celtic. It's fair to say that it perhaps just didn't quite work out. Yeah, and that's that's going to happen. I don't think it's necessarily going to mean that the guy's going to have a terrible career ahead of him. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I think it kind of builds on Enzo's point that you can't necessarily trust a lot of the, the standards that some of these younger guys have played at. We've seen Longstaff come to us from Liverpool and you see Liverpool, Liverpool signing any player, you think, okay, he's going to be he's going to be the business and he wasn't. And that's kind of the, the same case with Kenny. And he did, I think it's fair to say, he did have opportunity. Like he, when he came to us, he started a few games, he was a sort of first sub 
if you want to call it that, ahead of Williamson for a period of time as well. And he just never really made the most of it. And it's the unfortunate reality of being a footballer. Like, if you don't have that early impact at a club, then you're going to be sidelined for someone that can do the job that you're not. And we've seen that a couple of times, whether that be with a youth player like Kenny or with someone like Eze, who's came in and he's had his opportunity. He got thrown into the first team lineup and he's not impressed initially. And now we've got Kildane Fox and it's going to be tough for him to get back into it, barring an injury. Um, so, yeah, good good, good luck to Kenny going forward. Um, but from a sort of selfish perspective, I really hope this opens up an opportunity for us to bring someone in in January because I absolutely love Simon Murray, um, but we've always got that risk, as with any player, of an injury. And I still do fear, as much as Scott Williamson does well, I think Scott Williamson would play better in a different setup with alongside the Simon Murray. I'm not sure he's a lone striker. I don't think that's his best position. Um, so I do fear for the potential of us not having Murray in the squad. And for that end, I hope that we do bring somebody else in who wants to compete with Simon Murray. And I think, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but I think I'm open to the, the prospect of that being either a young guy who is coming into our team as a, a sort of full-time signing that we're going to sort of buy as a player. But I think at this stage, given the position that we're in in the league, I am open to that being an older guy who's coming from the SPL who we're signing for half a season on loan. Um, somebody that wants a bit of game time who can compete. But the trouble that I think that we will have with that in general is that they are going to be second fiddle to Simon Murray. So how many yeah. clubs are going to want to send someone out on loan to that? Yeah, the thing is, so we are not the only club in this division that are crying out for a striker. Fortunately, we are crying out for a backup striker, whereas the majority of the teams are looking, they, they need somebody that can put the ball in the back of the net for them and and play a big part in their starting eleven. I'm okay with us bringing somebody in as a backup. I think we should be looking at bringing somebody in as a backup because Scott Williamson was not intended to be our second choice striker. That is pretty clear. He was probably third or fourth. Johnny Kenny never worked out. I'll, you were quite diplomatic. I'll be frank. I was, I'm quite glad to see the back of him. I don't think he's anywhere near good enough for the championship. Maybe he'll do well in Ireland. I don't know. I don't know how the Irish Premiership compares to the, the Scottish Championship. Obviously, we saw in the summer there, Motherwell lost to Sligo Rovers, didn't they, in the, yeah. in the Conference League? Or the but that was, that was but listen, for them, though. But listen, that is, a, that is a rubbish Motherwell team who had a rubbish manager who has since lost his job. Uh, Johnny Kenny, for, listen, from what from what we have seen, I, I don't rate him, and uh, I'm glad he's gone, and I hope we will backfill that with somebody who... Can come off the bench and do a similar job as Simon Murray. I'm not expecting somebody to be as good as Murray when they come off the bench, but somebody that can do all that, see all that lovely hold up play that Murray does. Because we were, I would see when I was watching that game today, even at around about the 70th minute, I was thinking the worst thing we could do is take Simon Murray off. That is the worst thing we could do right now. We need somebody that can do the same thing as Murray, even if they're not quite as good as him, just as an option off the bench. That's that's what I think we are looking for this January, and I'm fine. Loney permanent saying I, I don't really mind where or how we get them in but that's what we're looking for I wonder if um, the rumour mill will surely be going because I believe that Owen Coyle and Sandy Stewart they were snapped at a, um, a game at Parkhead recently uh, I'm not 
I'm not 100% what it was that they were there attending or, or, or watching, but they were spotted there. Um, Coyle was only, it looks like he was only a couple of seats away from big Ange Postacoglu. I don't know if he's getting any ins on any of the first team players at Celtic, but um, certainly if he's looking to send anybody out, I, it's perhaps fair to assume that it's maybe not even just that picture, but there's a well-known connection between mm. Willie Hockey and um, Celtic in general. It, it's probably fair to say that we'll be looking to Celtic's youth team, and if they've got a particular player that is maybe not even necessarily a youth team, but just if they've got a player that's available for loan, we are going to be putting ourselves at top of the queue, you'd like to think. I and, and it wasn't just Owen Coyle that was at the game at Celtic Park, it was uh, uh, Willie Hockey was there as well. So that was the Celtic B team when they beat Rangers 5-2. Um, and there's a couple of good players on that Celtic youth team. They've obviously got the boy Joey Dawson came on and scored two late goals for them. Uh, Rocco Vata is quite highly rated. So I suspect they might have been having a wee catch-up about who they could potentially send out on loan to us for the remainder of the seasons. That, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously, we've had a few loanies from Celtic over the past few years. We had the likes of Connell, and even prior to Connell, with a few boys when we were in League 2 as well. So, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what comes for that. In general, the, the January transfer window's open. If we each have one wish... We're not. We're not saying we're not going to slate any particular player. We're not going to say it's because of any particular player. Oh no, that's we're replacing them. But Callum, I'll come to you first. If you had one wish, so you are um, you're Marion Bucher or Leanne Dempster, and you have the magic wand to go and say you need one player. And I'm not asking you to name a particular player, but just in terms of one position where you're saying. We need to improve that, and if we improve that, that will do it. That will keep us, that will keep us top of the league for the rest of the season. Where are you waving that magic wand? Where's it going? Can I not be greedy like Enzo was earlier? No, nope, you're getting one, very greedy. one, one. Right. Well, in true politician style, I'm going to give a slightly caveated answer. So, if I was improving the first eleven, yeah. I would be picking. I think a right back. I think that is where there's the most... And I actually quite like Davidson at right-back, but I think that's where there's potentially... And I think that Davidson will progress into being a very good right-back at this level. But I think he's got a wee bit of work to get there. I think that's where there's the most room for improvement. But that isn't what I would pick. It would be that second-choice striker for me. Because that is where I have the most fear in terms of our depth of our squad. Because I think there is such a reliance on Simon Murray. We talked about him being at the top of the goal-scoring charts. But he will have his lulls. He's already had one this season. We know that he's a streaky kind of striker in terms of his goal-scoring record. I would love for him to have somebody that can step in in those instances and maybe get a few more goals alongside them. So I, I think I would pick a backup striker, oddly, rather than anyone in the in the first team starting eleven. So those were the two positions that I initially that I initially went to when you asked that question. I was thinking a right back and and it's not because I don't again I don't it's not because I don't like Jake Davidson. I think Davidson is a good player. I just think there are aspects of his game that need to improve and I think I think we need somebody who defensively is a little bit more solid than him. Davidson's great going forward, but I think we need a more defensive right back. I think that would be pretty beneficial. I don't know. I mean if Murray's going to be fit all season and we can rely on him all season, then I, I would say right back. But as it stands, I think I, I think I 
want somebody that can step in and do what Murray does, even if it's just somebody that can step in and do it. When Murray needs to come off around 65, 70 minutes and hold the ball up as well as he does and potentially net the odd goal, then, yeah, I think, yeah, I want... I just want another Simon Murray. Can we clone him? <laughs> we clone I'll have it in Simon Murray's throughout the team. Can we just clone him? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. We need to speak to Is him. that against the SPFL rules? Can you clone a player? We need... Is it ever tried it? In, in this new age of Queen's Park, we are very much into sports science. And things. I don't know if the sports science goes as far as cloning players, but... Maybe it's a question we can we can put to the club and, and see if we can respond. I think. Um, for me, when it comes to this transfer window, if I had that magic wand, I'm going to both agree and disagree with the two of you. Um, for me, as much as I do agree that right back is probably the position in the team that n- not necessarily needs, but could use the biggest perhaps improvement and you know there's maybe a number of players that you could sign there and also in terms of a backup striker you you know I mean who wouldn't want to sign another striker and who wouldn't want to sign somebody else that's going to score goals my biggest concern and it might be a little bit irrational or not you can tell me right now is what would happen if both or either of Malbo Ateng and Jack Thompson weren't available in that sort of centre mid or this kind of defensive midfielder role. Now, I know that we've seen a couple of, well, I think it was just the one game where Thompson was rested against Montrose, so Alex Bannon came in. Now, don't get me wrong, Alex Bannon's been a really good young player for us and um, has played pretty well in pretty much every game he's came in, but I'm at the point where I'm concerned that as we get further into the season, we've yet to have a game with multiple suspensions or injuries in those particularly key positions. And especially when you're looking at the game today where Jack Thompson was throwing himself about and there was some some good tackles, some good strong tackles in there. But eventually, eventually it's going to happen where he might pick up bookings, he may get, you know, suspended or something like that. And uh, I touch wood and I pray, I don't know, I don't know how many things I can cross, but if Malbo Teng also was to miss time, I would love, I would love a good bit of centre mid cover. What do you, what do you make of that? Uh, I think I think for me this conversation potentially highlights and I know that this has been a very positive episode and obviously with good reason but this this whole conversation potentially highlights the lack of depth that we have because what you've just said about that centre mid position you could potentially say the same thing about the left back position maybe even the goalkeeper you know there's a few other areas of the park where you could say the very same thing so yes, I'd like I'd like backups for all of them, but that is possibly getting a bit greedy. And if I, yeah, I, I I totally I absolutely agree with you. I think those two guys have been absolutely they've been vital in the the football that we've been playing. They they play a really key role in this lovely passing game that we've developed over the past few months. And it would be great to have a backup for them, but at the same time, like I say, you, you, I'd like to have a obviously Jack Jack Herity is a, a young goalie. I think he's the kind of guy that I'd like to see go out on loan, possibly, get a bit of first team game time, and then we could bring him in, in a backup for the first team. But yeah, like I was saying, I think I think this just kind of highlights the lack of depth that overall we have. 
it, and it sounds like Izzy agrees in the background. That was a wee grunt from her. <laughs> I, I, I think is that is that indicative of us of us specifically though, or is that indicative of the league that we're in? Because the championships are tough tough league fiscally for a lot of clubs. You're existing in an environment where you're expected to be a full time side, but you don't have the benefits of TV money and all that sort of stuff as well. And so even if you look at the the stats in terms of like players used across the season, so we're sitting currently with the joint third least amount of players used. So 23 players that we've used this season um, in the league. So by comparison, you've got Coven Morton below us on 20 and 22 players. So that's two sides which have a smaller budget than we do. So they're using much less players in their squad. So kind of sticking to a, a core group of players. So that would suggest either strong start in 11 or a, a sort of lack of squad depth. But by comparison, if you look at the top end of it, you've got our Broth, who've used the most players, 28 followed by Inverness, who also have 28, and then Dundee with 26. So, yeah, I, I think the, the, there's a wee bit of balance to it. I think we've obviously put some investment into the squad and the strength and conditioning side to the to the team, which wasn't there in previous seasons, which maybe that's bearing an impact. I'm not sure. But I just, I'm not convinced that you're going to have the luxury of that at this at this level of having proper, proper backups, nor do I think it's going to be our model. I think we're going to have to gamble on young guys continuously. Yeah. No, I actually think to an extent as well, and, and this kind of contradicts everything that I just said there, by the way, but I think to an extent, depth is almost a myth. And I think I think successful teams play, if, you, if you're going to be successful, you're going to be playing your best players every single week. And, and if you look historically, teams that do well are teams that, start the same players every single week so if you can develop a team where you have the same 11 guys on the park every single match then you are more likely to do well I think it's great having options but it's not the be all and end all and uh, if you can keep these guys fit then that is that is I would rather have the same 11 guys kept fit every week than having these options so yeah I'm, I'm contradicting myself from you know what I was saying about my options but um, who I'd like to bring in but I think I think that is arguably more important. When you were saying that, like for me, it was very close between making a point about the centre midfield slot or I actually really agree when, when you mentioned about the goalkeeper. Like I would like to see and and I, and I totally understand that obviously as a club we are investing in our training and our in our facilities and everything there. And you're gonna have a young player like Jack Herity who's gonna be, you know, developing there. Is that perhaps just a classic Scottish cliche of he's got to be out on loan, he's got to be out playing, even even if it's at, you know, I don't know, League One, League Two, Highland or Lowland League, whatever? Is it just is that just a kind of a cliche kind of thing, or is is a player actually better served by being at his own club and and, and training? Because I think that's something that's perhaps been said in interviews before um, yeah. by by Mike Buker. I think he believes that having the players in house. Yeah, it might actually be better. Whereas perhaps maybe we are, for as much as we are trying to, we are trying to embrace the well, new ways. Yeah. We are we are setting our ways of going, get him out on loan. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at let's take Heritage as an example, you send him out on loan to I don't know, let's say Bonnie Rig Rose or Albion Rovers or something like that. Is he? We I mean the training that we do with these guys and the and the way that they play 
every, I don't know how often the guys train, I'm not sure, I'm assuming it's three or four nights a week or something like that. Part-time, yeah, a couple of nights no, a us, week. Us, so for us, us, we're full-time, it's every day. Every sure. single day, yeah, you'd imagine, so four, a five of days, days four, four, and then the game day, I think it is, so, I, I think it's probably fair to assume that that's actually more beneficial to a guy like Herity than even playing League Two football. Yeah. Not- I think, and I think what you've seen in Bucher so far is that he's incredibly confident in his methods and yeah. he feels like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And frankly, if he thinks that he's got a good talent at this squad, I don't think he'd trust other clubs in Scotland with that time yeah. for them to develop him. He's got a very, very, very specific type of player that he wants and how he wants them to play. I don't think that he's going to want them going out to a lower league team who might be playing completely polar opposite style of football or doesn't have the same setup as us, etc, etc. Because I genuinely don't think that he believes that that's going to benefit them as, as much as it would be being within the young spiders or young QP, whatever you want to call it, um, set up where they're going to get all the development and the focused um, improvement that they wouldn't get elsewhere. And I think that's a really good point because we've seen that Max Gillies came back on loan, uh, came back off his loan at Peterhead this week as well. Um, we obviously played Peterhead just a couple of weeks ago and it's fair to say that they are having a, a very difficult season. Um, I will be perfectly honest, I will hold my hands up right now and say I've not been keeping on top of what he was doing up there, but I know that certainly to begin with, when he was up there on loan, he was playing every single week. I don't know if that continued right the way through, um, but he's came back and perhaps that's, again, indicative of what you know, some, you know Bucher or whoever's in charge of keeping an eye on all these players as a case of see if they're at a team that perhaps just isn't benefiting them because I thought the statement that was made was quite interesting because normally you would see these kind of statements and you go, oh, you know, Queen's, Queen's Park thanked Peter Head for, you know, the time developing or, or for having Max on loan or, you know, some, you know, there's always a usual kind of a wee bit of, a, a nice wee bit of sentiment there and the statement was just simply made was an agreement was made to bring Max back off of his yeah. loan and to me that seemed a little bit cold and as I say the last time I checked he was playing pretty regularly yeah, so he was, yeah. does that perhaps suggest that how we are developer players and I think it's fair to say from what we've heard of the way that Bucher runs to quote the classic uh, Jack Jarvis Esquire quote he runs a tight ship and not a shite tip <laughs> it's fair to say that Bucher if he's in charge he's in charge and if, yeah. if something's not happening he's not going to handle that I think you're right. I don't obviously. I have absolutely no evidence for this, but my um, my understanding is that Gillis was playing regularly for Peterhead. So I think what has happened is that we have not been happy with the way he's either either we've not been happy with the way that he's been developing there based on how they have been trying to develop him, or we actually fancy him as a fringe player in this team that we have right now. I don't think. I think those are the only two possibilities. It's really hard to speculate, though, because you, you, you don't know the personal circumstances of any of this stuff, to be fair. But hopefully the reason that he's coming back is for a, a sort of positive outcome rather than anything else. It's an interesting one. It's certainly certainly disruptive. That's the that's the term, isn't it? For, well, it's for more disruptive for Peter Head than it is for us. No, I just mean in terms of our approach to everything. Like, the mindset is different to what you're used to within Scottish football. Yeah, yeah that's true, right? It's, that's true. It's weird. I think, I think a lot of what we are doing behind the scenes is disruptive when we look at Scottish football. I think we are trying to be disruptive, though, because we are trying to develop a system 
that is new and unique in Scotland. And if it goes to plan, other clubs will follow suit. When you look at the way, when you look at these coaches that we've brought in from the Netherlands, we've got guys who have developed and coached in a system which is different. Celtic. And Celtic, Tommy McIntyre. Yeah. From Celtic, these are, but I still think I think we are trying to do things differently. I think we are trying to do things differently, and I think we've got off on the right foot. So let's now move on and let's look ahead to the month of January, the rest of the month of January, where we have got uh, a number of away games: three in the league and one in the cup, and a double visit <laughs> about as far north as we can almost possibly go to Inverness. Um, but this week, this Saturday coming, it is going to be Cove away. Uh, first things first, before we look at the game, it's good to see that the club. I'd like to think that I'd like to think that we kind of had something to say in that because I think we said last week that the club should be looking to help pay for or, or to contribute towards the cost for the bus and the cost for travel for fans because those four away games. I mean, those are you know, Cove, Inverness, Inverness, Dundee in January. That is a brutal shift for fans of any club. Um, it's good to see that the club and the Queen's Park Supporters Association have come together, managed to put a deal on for Queen's Park fans on the bus, £50 for the four trips. I mean, we, we've had many a complaint throughout the course of the season, but credit, again, has to be given where it's due. And Enzo, that, that is a big bit of credit to the Queen's Park uh, Club and Supporters Association. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I was I was looking at, obviously, when, when I was looking at the fixtures, I was thinking I'll probably... I fancied going to Cove and probably one of the Inverness games. I wasn't particularly impressed when we went up to Dundee last time and I said I wouldn't be back. I'm still hopeful that this time they'll put us behind the goal instead of up in that wee horrible section of the old stand. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there for now. Um, I Brilliant £50 for all four games. I, my thought process was that it probably cost about £20-£22 for all, each of them. So... Uh, I was thinking I'll do one or two, but actually at this rate, I'm 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 going to be going to all of them. So I brilliant, really really pleasing to see, and hopefully that will encourage as many people as possible to get along to these important trips. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult run of fixtures for fans. I mean, you could literally maybe not pick a worse month in the year for it just after Christmas. Um, it's it, it's not ideal. So it's good. Yeah, they made it affordable, and I think even the even if you're not buying the package at fifty pounds ahead, um, for the four games, I think it's still pretty affordable at fifteen pounds for each of the individual games, which is pretty good. So hopefully we can get as good a turnout as possible, and that's just the sort of stuff that you kind of need the club to be doing because again, games have been shifted around because of the stadium situation, which isn't the fault of the fans. Um and people are going to be wanting to get to these games because the way that the fixtures are falling now, once you get past this point of um January, we really don't have that many big away trips for a couple of months. Like we're at home for the most of February, um, aside from a game against I think it's Hamilton as well. So there's there's not that many big away trips. So yeah, hopefully it encourages people to go along and, and well done to the club for doing that. Yeah, as we say, credit has to be given where it is due there and that is absolutely the case in the the deal that they are doing. If any supporters are listening or are still on the fence about it, have a look on, I believe it's posted on Twitter and on the club website, get involved and hopefully we have as many Queen's Park fans along to all of these games as possible. The first one is back up to Cove and... 
our last trip there was a bit of a killer, let's be honest, because we were up there with a lot of hope. Cove were still kind of struggling at their time. Uh, you know, as, as they still are right now, let's quickly look at just the league table. As if we need a reminder, Queen's Park are currently first in the Scottish Championship. 36 points from 19 games played. Cove are sitting down in 8th, 21 points from their 19 games. However, the last time that we did play, we did go up on the Friday night under the lights of BBC Scotland and we were beaten 2-0. Uh, we had we conceded an early goal three minutes in and uh, there was another good goal scored in the second half. They were both from uh, Connor Scully. So it was... That was a really tough game because we played quite well. It almost felt like the kind of the way that Thistle played today. We kind of huffed and puffed and just couldn't get anything going. Enzo, do you have any concern about the fact that we're going back up there almost so soon that the last time we were there was 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 probably one of the poorest performances of the season? It was. It was a massive disappointment with that game being on TV, and I'm sure a lot of people watched it, but. I'm not worried. I'm not. That was the last game that we didn't win. Cove up there was. A, it was the last game that we didn't win, and I am. I'm confident that we will rectify that this this time. I don't think. I don't think Cove are a great team. I think we suffered massively from the fact that Dom Thomas was out suspended that week. He he had been sent off the the week prior against. Uh, oh god, I, I can't remember who that was against. But we we really struggled without having uh, Dom on the pitch, and he'll be there next week, no doubt. Um, so no, no. I think I think it's a game that we should be we should be relishing. We're top of the league. We're a couple of points clear of Dundee. They've got some difficult fixtures coming up, and I, I fancy us to go up there, do the business, and carry on this fantastic run of form. And Cal, do you have any concerns at all, especially considering um, Cove's result today, where they lost six one to Inverness? Kind of puts you in that sort of volatile position, doesn't it? With some teams, like, what is the reaction going to be? Are they going to be, are they going to be really up for it off the back of a bad result, or is that going to sort of lead them down a a pretty dark path? I'm not, I'm not so sure. But I think my experience of going up to Cove is it's always been difficult. It's never been a particularly easy ride. We've seen some pretty tough games up there, and Cove were well worth their win the last time that we played them. You obviously mentioned that that was the last time that we lost the game, and. Cove, I think, were good value for it. I don't begrudge them that one, at, that one at all. But we are a pretty different side now. Um, at that game, we had Eze at centre-back and Bannon at right-back. That's kind of swapped around a bit. Um, we've got Dom Thomas in the squad, which I think is gonna, it's just going to make such a massive difference. So you've got to be hopeful for a win, but I, I don't think it's going to be... I don't think it's going to be a runaway win like Inverness. I can't see a team like Cove having that for a few games in a row. So I think it will be it will be difficult. But I mean, as with every game, you've got to be hopeful at this point, don't you? We're top of the league. You've kind of got such a ridiculously good run of form. This isn't the game that you'd be calling it to come to an end. I hope so. You say hope so. Let's move us on to our score predictions. Um, Callum, give. I don't. I have a feeling I don't want an update on our score prediction table, but you shall get um, one for for all of us and and for all the listeners. Give give me the score update. Uh, happily, so predictions last week. Enzo, you had us four uh, one queens. David, you had three two queens. I had three one queens. So nobody got the correct score, but obviously we're doing the, the. You get two points for the first goal scorer. 
So Enzo, you had Thomas, David, you had Savory, and I had Murray. So finally, my three weeks of Murray in a row has has paid off as as first goal scorer. So that bags me a total of three points. Um, David, you get one point. Enzo, you get one point. So David, you're actually now in last place. So you are on 18 points after sitting gloriously top of the table for a decent period as well. I'm on 19, so playing a wee bit of catch-up. And Endo, you're still in the lead on 21. So that means, David, you get to pick first. And just to confirm, we talked about it earlier in the episode, we put Lee Calday as man of the match for the Thistle game. I'm doing the reverse Queen's Park in our score prediction table, so that's fine with me. Um, give, give me... 2-0 Queen's Park going up to Cove. Um that's what I was gonna go for. 2 0 is exactly what yeah. I was thinking. But Enzo, I don't know. Enzo, maybe you should just said be this last week as well. No, but I'm comforted by the fact that he predicted it because that means it's gonna be wrong. So, so it's fine. You should just be worse at predicting scores and then you get to choose first. That's what I'm saying. You should be worse and you'll get to choose the score you want. Uh, it's first goal scores. Um well it's I mean it's gonna have to be Simon Murray, isn't it? Um, give me Simon Murray and give me give me Gareth Savory. I mean, it almost seems like the two easiest easiest choices there, but that's for very good reason because the two of them are in excellent form right now. All right, cool. So Murray Savory two 0 Queens. That sounds nice. Um, I'm going to go for for the third week in a row. I'm going for three one Queens. <laughs> So I think it's going to come off eventually. I do think that it will be a tough game. I think it could be us relatively closely winning 2-1 until maybe the last few minutes. Um, first goal scorer, I will mix it up this week since Murray's finally paid out for me. I'm going to go for Dom Thomas as first goal scorer. And then I'm also going to have Murray scoring one. And I will also have... Charlie Fox with a Charlie Fox. Well, he's due a goal. He is. He is. He yes. Is long time, isn't it? Good. Good in the box. We've talked about how he's been really impactful on the squad to go for Fox for some sort of either or marauding run from centre. No, that will be an overhead kick. Well, that's one thing that we talked about at the game today: is pace. Considering he's a big guy and he's running out the back is incredible. So it wouldn't surprise me to see this marauding run that you're potentially predicting. <laughs> so I no, that's fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go with 3-0 then, because interestingly, I was thinking 2-0, then you said it, and then I was thinking 3-1, and then you said it, so I'm going to go 3-0, and I'm going to go Murray Murray first scorer, so that's her confirming that Murray's going to be first scorer, Uh, (laughs) just in case you couldn't hear that, there's my dog barking in the background, Uh, so Murray first scorer... (laughs) <laughs> and he'll score two actually, and then two barks, two goals. Two, exactly. Goal. Yeah, exactly. Go. So Murray's going to score two, and Jack Thompson is finally going to get this goal. He's been, I know they have scored, but um, he's. I was going to say he's, he's due, off the door, but he's not been because he's, he's all due, target, but he's, he's due, due a goal. goal. So yeah, yeah, Murray two and Thompson with a goal. Excellent. Looking ahead to this Saturday, obviously the rest of the fixtures around the league, we have Wraith versus Dundee on the Friday night football on BBC Scotland. That's for, for Queen's Park fans, that's definitely going to be worth tuning in for and, and seeing how that's going to affect the league table. Then on Saturday, we have our Broth Inverness, Ayr versus Hamilton, Partick Thistle versus Morton. Enzo, I'm going to have to come back to you because, of course, last week 
You got it right. Yep. We already spoke about it. You got it right. Spicy the predictions. Spicy, the spicy hot take of our both getting something off Dundee. Now, to be fair, not to the extent that it happened, but you called it. Do you have a spicy hot take in any of those yes. three or four games? Yes, I do. do of, without, without a missing a beat. I do, because I've thought about this already. And uh, I believe that Hamilton will get a result against Ayr. And the reason for that is that Ayr have fallen away a wee bit. They're struggling. They're not. They're not scoring as many goals as they had been. Um, they have this traditional post-Christmas collapse. And also, the last time Hamilton played against there, it was on TV. The game through in Hamilton. Hamilton ran them really close. And I just, I think. So I think Hamilton are rubbish. I think they're absolutely rotten. But I don't think that they're not going to get any results at all this season. So yeah, that's my prediction. That's my ridiculous daft prediction. I love it. I mean, what can I say? It feels like you're doubling down on what we spoke about last week and it was me and you both predicted Queen's Park to win the league and it feels like your spicy hot takes for the rest of the I'll season... I'll double down on that as well like, if you want. <laughs> your spicy hot takes for the rest of the season are going to be just results that just ensure our walk to the title. If I were being daft, I'd predict Wraith to beat Dundee, but I don't think they will. I think that'll be a draw, though. That's also good for us. Aye, brilliant. Um, Callum, do you have... A, should we either ask for a spicy hot take or should I ask you for like a... A sensible like, normal like, like take. Just like a sensible, just an expected... What, what is a sensible normal take in this league? That's true. Right. I feel like <laughs> into a spicy hot take. It's harder to choose than right. a spicy yeah. take. I know, I know, because, I mean, frankly, he's getting a few of these mad predictions and he's sitting top of our predictor table, so um, maybe maybe they're not as wild as, as we may suggest that they are. Um, I'm I'm not sure who I would be bagging to have a, a sort of upset. Would Morton be beating Thistle an upset at this stage? Probably not. Nah. Morton are, are pretty on a, a good run of form. They struggle a wee bit more away. Yeah. But um, I mean they are still unbeaten since what was it like mid October or so when they when they played us, was they've, it not been beaten, they've not been beaten since they beat us at Oakview. However, they've also had a couple of games called off as well. So yeah, but that's yeah, but no, I, but every game that they've managed to play, they've they've you know yeah. they've been doing well. Yeah, so that's true. You're right. I don't think that would be necessarily no, surprising. That would, not at all. That would certainly help us, wouldn't it? It would. It would. Um, if I was picking between sort of Air Hamilton and Dundee Wraith and who's going to cause some sort of upsetting points, it would definitely be the Dundee Wraith game off the back of that result this week. That's got to be a knock to their confidence after a very, very, very good run of form for them. So um, hopefully it is and Wraith can do something at home because I, I think Wraith have got a lot of tidy footballers. They, they do. Every time that we've played them, it's just been quality. It's been the difference. It's that cutting edge, and that kind of shows in their goal tally. Um, but a week's a long time at the start of January. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot will change every right. single week because we've already seen, for example, our growth today announced two players alone, and I'm sure there are we. Was it three? three or yeah, three players today. Well, there right. we go. And I'm sure that there'll be other teams in the league, including some players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a number of a number of teams improving every week. If you're uh, if you if you believe Dundee fans on Twitter, they're very likely to sign Lionel, Ness, Lionel Messi this this week. Because uh, I thought they were actually going somewhere with that. Okay, yeah, they're that, very serious. Looking, you fix it. <laughs> this is the perils of doing this in person because Enzo looked very serious when he said that there, and we we both believed him there, and it turns out that was um, that punchline actually was not worth it. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I expected better of you. It, it's you're about to turn Ronaldo to Queens Park. 
What's going on here? Another one, Ronaldo. <laughs> I'd rather have Dom Thomas. And on that note, no, on that absolutely correct, 100% factual note, I think we're going to wrap this up here. This has been a great episode. This has been a great test for us to see if we can do this in person. Some of you may disagree that we can do it in person. However, we're hoping that this will allow us to move forward in future. We've got, as 2023 goes on, because that is obviously that is our first six months as a, as, as a podcast trio, we are hoping very much to bring a lot more content as 2023 goes on, getting involved with people in the club, getting involved with a number of figures there, and we hope to be able to bring that to you as soon as possible. And this was a very good test of that. Maybe we'll have one or two less pints, but I think... One more. Or more, it depends what they're up to. But for the most part, I think we've done pretty well here. So, Callum and Enzo, it has been a pleasure as always. And of course, to everybody listening, thank you very much for listening. You will find us on Twitter, at Spiders Talk Pod, and you will find us on Pie and Bovril in all the threads relating to Queen's Park, including the top of the league and your no thread. <laughs> but for the very least, the next week. So you will find us there. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you all again here next week. Cheers for listening. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Play for the sake of the game Play for the sake of the game